How y'all doing this morning? I've been instructed on how to say this right, and I keep messing it up. So I'm not even going to try this time, because I'm obviously not from here, because uh, I'm tall enough you would have recognized me around here before, but uh, had, we have been here several times. It's always awesome to be here, to be back in Jersey, and, and be able to be here at New Beginnings. We love your pastors so much, and, and they're doing such a wonderful job. Can we give them a hand for the leadership and their hearts for this house? Amen. This is a great church. I was just enjoying standing over here in worship and, and just at the end, just listen to you guys sing. And, and I just want to encourage you guys, uh, do not lose that. Praise is not just a matter of getting together and singing a few songs before we hear the message. Praise is a powerful weapon and praise really is a, a powerful expression of our faith. Amen? Amen. And the way the Holy Spirit said it to me that uh, as I was just standing there a minute ago is an army that marches with praise as, as its banner can never be stopped. So as, as you continue to contend for a spirit of praise and a spirit of victory in this church, this church is just going to continue to go forward. Amen. So keep your, keep your voice, keep your mouth open, keep your hands lifted, and continue to rejoice and continue to bless the Lord, and we'll continue to move forward together. So uh, real quick, before we get into the word, uh, I'm Sean. My wife, Kirsten's here with me. Kirsten, you can wave at everybody real quick. She's been here one other time, and... and uh, and this is glad to be back with her. And we're actually here with our whole family. Kids, can you wave at them too? They're in the second row over here. Everybody's always surprised at how old our kids are. And then we had them when we were 12. So, you know, <laughs> that kind of explains how that works. But no, we're, we're, we're grateful to be here. And this is their first time on the East Coast. So we've been, you know, enjoying the beach and, and getting some pizza and, and had a cheesesteak the first night we were here and all this different stuff. So we're going to go back to Tulsa with a bit, little bit bigger waistline, uh, which my kids can handle better than I can. But my role in the ministry does not need to expand. <laughs> but yeah, da -dum -tsh. So anyway, we're having a great time. And, and uh, for them, it's vacation. For me, it's, it's ministry and a little bit of extra sun. And hopefully I look a little tanner today than I, than I have. But uh, we're having a great time here. And, and it's always great to be out here and to be able to administer what God wants to speak to you guys. And I believe that he wants to work something in each and every heart and life in this room today. So I hope you didn't just come to hear somebody talk or to, you know, do your duty and check it off your list so that you can go to the beach this afternoon and say, uh, I did the church thing, I'm good. But I hope you came today hungry to have God work in your life and to have him do something. Real quick, uh, before I get into the word, I just want to share a little bit about, about us. Our ministry is Pure Flow Ministries, and our heart really is to activate your unique potential. We believe that every member in the body of Christ has something to, to give, has something to share. I mean, aren't you so thankful for people like Pastor Martin who come up with crazy ideas for kids and all this stuff? That's one area of the church where I have never ministered, and I'm glad for people who have these creative minds and get to play the, you know, the the mad scientist in, in kids' church because they get to have all kinds of fun. But every member of the church has unique potential, and our heart really is to help people recognize what God has put inside of them and to unlock that so that you can be who God made you to be and do what God made you to do because as the whole church does what we're called to do, we'll reach the whole world. Amen. So a couple of projects that we're working on right now, uh, we put up on this next slide here. Uh, we were in Germany as missionaries for 10 years. 
And during that time there, we did a lot of work with Raymond Bible Training College and, and we continue to be connected with them. And over the last year, we've been working on developing a new pastor development program for Europe. And so just like here in the States, a lot of the, the pastors who got called into ministry back in the, the charismatic move in the 60s and 70s are getting to retirement age. And so we need a new crop of young pastors to rise up. And so this program is designed to raise up new pastors all over the continent of Europe. We'll be presenting that to direct from a bunch of different countries in September and so help to look at the future of Europe and hopefully even be able to use that program some in the United States in the future. Then another thing that we do is we work with Dynamic Church Planting International. It's a church planting training organization for people who are called to go out and, and raise up new churches and for people who lead movements and denominations to equip them to have church planting take place throughout their movement because we need more churches to reach more people. I don't know if you know this, but the population of the United States over the last several decades has outpaced church planting by a factor of about five. So we need a lot more churches because we have a lot of people who need churches. So we're working with them, and one of the areas that we work with them is in uh, strategizing for the rollout of online training for church planting all, all throughout the globe. Over the next four years, what's going to happen is the internet is going to be within reach of every single person on the planet, which means that through online training, we'll be able to train people to plant churches all over the globe. We'll be able to reach every people group and have Jesus come back. Yeah. Amen. So those are a couple of things that we're working on. And the ways that you can connect with us, you'll see on this next slide here. Uh, the easiest way is just on our website. If you want to get out your phone and, and click that in right now or make a note of it to pull it up later, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. I'll share an encouraging word a lot of times in there and just give you updates about where we are and what we do. And we also are on Facebook and Instagram, so you can connect with us that way if you'd like to. All right, enough of my commercial. And you're like, why do you have a box on the pulpit? What's that all about? Well, uh, like I said, we're kind of here on vacation, and I don't know what you do on vacation, but especially the other day when it was kind of misty, rainy outside, we uh, you know, played some board games, little apples to apples, and this one, which is called Wingspan. Anybody here ever play Wingspan before? We had two people in the last service, nobody last night. All right, nobody here either. All right, it's a good game. It's fun. You learn a lot about a bunch of different kinds of birds in this game, and uh, you know, in any board game, what happens is everybody starts out with kind of an equal number of things, and then you move throughout the game, and you make decisions about what you're going to do, and, and you roll out your strategy, and at the end, you know, somebody wins, and, and the other people don't win. But you know what's cool about board games? Once you're, once you're done, once the board game is finished, the next time you play, it all starts over, yeah. right? Have you ever noticed life's not that way, yeah. right? You don't get to start over every week. You don't get to just... Oh, nobody knows me. I'm getting a new start at life as much as we like that, right? And that's what we really like about board games is there's a reset. Well, God loves us so much that he has actually built a reset into how he deals with us so that no matter what we have gotten ourselves into and, and where we may be in, in, a, in a problem or have burdens and bondages because of things that have happened in our family, in our past, God has a great reset for you. And that's what we want to talk with you about this morning. So if you would, go ahead and turn to your Bible with me to Leviticus 25 on your device or if you have your paper Bible with you. And we'll open up, and we're going to look at this this morning. And if you're like, man, they're going in the Old Testament, isn't this where all the laws are? Yes, this is where <laughs> all the laws are. But this one is really, actually really cool, because if you know anything about the history of the nation of Israel, what happened is, a lot of people have heard about the Exodus, anybody heard of Moses, the Exodus? All right, so 
uh, he was talking about the staff earlier. So God sent Moses over to Egypt to get his people out of Egypt. And so God worked miracles and signs and wonders and plagues and all this stuff and brought his people out. And then he took them into the promised land by miraculously giving them victory over the people that lived there. You know, the walls of Jericho fell down and all this other stuff. And so when he brought them in to the land of uh, that he had promised them, if you read in Joshua 15 through 22, what God did is that he gave every family in Israel a portion of land. So according to the size of the tribes, there's 12 tribes, but they were all different sizes. And so according to the size of the tribe, God gave each tribe a certain land so that each family would have their own plot, right? And so each of these plots was to stay as the possession of that family basically forever, and so we know, though, just like when, you know, you start a board game, you know, I know when you play Monopoly, you know, you hand out two 500s and two 100s and two 50s and 620s and you're going on down the line. And then depending on how you play, you know, you may pass out three properties to each person at the beginning of the game to get started. And so everybody kind of starts on equal footing. Well, that was God's desire for his people, that everybody had what they needed to have the power to prosper spiritually, emotionally, mentally, Physically and financially, God wanted them to do well. However, we all know, as soon as the game starts, all that changes, right? You hop down the Monopoly board, you land on that first railroad or whatever, and you pay the money. Well, now you don't have the same money everybody else had. And as you go throughout the game, you find out if that was a good decision or a bad decision. And then, you know, my kids have a rule, never trade with dad, because they're like, oh, dad makes bad trades. And at the end of the game, they're all crying because, well, you told me to do this, and it was a good idea, and we lost. Well, that's right, I should win, I'm dad, right? But as you go throughout the game, things start to shift, and in life, things happen. And even in that time, God knew that some people would not do well. He knew that some people would make bad business decisions. He knew some people wouldn't plant their crops in time, or they wouldn't harvest them right, or whatever the case may be, maybe they'd fall into sin, or they'd get divorced, or they'd get fall into alcoholism, or whatever, and they would come to financial ruin, and they would get into debt. And so because of that, they would have to sell their land and they would have to go into slavery to maybe one of their, their brethren or to even a foreigner living near them. And so because God wanted them to have their own land and his desire was for every generation to have a fresh start and a, the ability to walk with him and to be able to enjoy his blessing, he did and set a law in place for his country that we're gonna read here in Leviticus chapter 25. <sighs> Long introduction. You still with me? All right, good. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you're here to speak to us right now. Father, we come today in expectation. Father, your word teaches us to pray and then to look for you to move. So, Father, we expect to hear from you today, and we expect to experience your work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's read this together. Leviticus 25, starting in verse 8. It says, In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then, on the Day of Atonement, in the 50th year, everybody say 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. 
So in other words, if your family had fallen into bankruptcy and you had to sell your land to your neighbor and you had to go work for them as a, as a hired hand, when that 50th year rolled around, if it had been 20 years or two years or 30 years, whatever, whenever that year of Jubilee rolled around all throughout the nation on that day, the horns would sound and you would know, I'm free. That land belongs to me again. And you get to go back to the land and it'd be yours. And you could start over and you can begin to, to farm the land again and begin to make a new plan and begin to prosper with the resources that God had provided for you. In other words, if I made a mistake and I ruined our family's you know, plot and our inheritance and, I, and we had to go off into slavery, that wouldn't be a continual curse on our family for generations and generations and generations. So if I did it and there were 30 years to go, eventually I may kick the bucket, but my kids would still be alive, those horns would sound, and they'd be like, hey, we get to go get dad's land back, and they would go get it back. So God had built this reset every 50 years into the calendar so that poverty would not be able to grip and control a family generation after generation after generation. Because God loves his people, and God loves you. Amen? Amen? So let's go ahead and read on here, starting in verse 14. It says, when you make an agreement with your neighbor to buy or sell property, you must not take advantage of each other. And this is really God's heart, that we don't take advantage of one another. And, and for the Israelites, they were all family, right? They were all Jacob's kids. And so if my neighbor got into debt and went bankrupt and had to sell me his land and become my slave, well, he's probably my extended family, my second cousin or something. And so I'm not supposed to take advantage of him. I'm supposed to treat him equitably. Amen. Right. This is God's heart, is that we treat each other fairly. And so it goes on here, and it says, verse 15, when you buy land from your neighbor, the price you must pay must be based on the number of years since the last jubilee, and the seller must set the price by taking into account the number of years remaining until the next year of jubilee. In other words, if you knew the year of Jubilee is going to happen in six months, then you can't pay very much for this, pri this plot of land because you can only use it for six months, right? And if you've got 40 years, well, then it's going to be a higher price. And that's what he's saying. So skip down to verse 17. It says, show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord your God. And I really felt as, as I was getting ready for the service this morning that God wanted to stir us with that. And I don't know who this is for in this room. But I felt like the Lord was saying there's someone here that you've been uh, exercising pressure towards someone and taking advantage of them, whether it's financially, emotionally, I don't know what it is. And God wants you to know that you need to repent of that. We can do business, we can charge a fair price for our goods and that's all right because we're providing a service. But we're not to take advantage of each other. We're not to take advantage of someone else's weakness to profit. And so I don't know who that's for. If that's for you, then take it. Hear what the Lord is saying, because if we'll repent, times of refreshing come and the blessing of God comes. Amen. And the blessing of God will cause us to prosper. We don't have to take advantage of people. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 18, if you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations, then the land will yield large crops and you will eat your fill and live securely in it. Verse 39, if one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell himself to you, do not treat him as a slave. Treat him instead as a hired worker or as a temporary resident who lives with you, and he will serve you only until the year of Jubilee. At that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you, and they will return to their clans and go back to the land originally allotted to their ancestors. 
The foreigner must treat them as workers hired on a yearly basis. You must not allow a foreigner to treat any of your fellow Israelites harshly. If any Israelites have not been brought back, bought back by the year of Jubilee, they and their children must be set free at that time. So we see the Jubilee brings a threefold deliverance. There's three different things that happen. Your bondage is broken, so you're released from serving your, your brothers. Your debts are canceled. You get to go back to your original land. And the third thing is that your shame is removed. Because some people have to sell themselves to foreigners living in the land. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, the Israelites had a very specific system of laws and of clean things they could eat and things they couldn't eat and things they could touch and not touch. So if they're serving in the home of a foreigner, they're living in an unclean environment. So they're unclean and not able to go into the temple and worship with everybody else. So there's a sense of shame on their family that I'm not even good enough to live with my own people. I'm living with foreigners in our land. And so when you're released, when that, when that year of Jubilee comes, you get to go back to your land. You get to, have, uh, you get to be living back according to the laws of God. You have that cleanliness restored. And you get to res- go back to worshiping the Lord as you should. Amen. So they had an awesome uh, benefit from the year of Jubilee, like we've been talking about with that board game. When that board game, you get to the end and you, and you win or lose, the fun thing about the next time you get to play is it resets. You get to start over. Everything's fresh. You get to decide, okay, how am I going to play this? How am I going to try it this time? I know in this, this bird game, there's several different strategies you can use because there's about five or six different ways that you can gain points. You can gain points by having uh, cards that you've collected, by having the number of eggs that you have in your bird nest, by the, each bird has a different point value, so you can aim at getting all the high-value birds. There's all different kinds of ways you can do it. And so when we start out, you have to start out with a strategy. And when that reset came, when that jubilee came, it was, hey, we're back on our ancestral land. Everything is brand new and we can start over. And for some of us, we're longing for a new start. There's things that have happened in your life, things maybe that you failed at. There's sins that have happened. Maybe there's something that happened in your family and you carry it around as a weight. Maybe it's something financially that has happened and puts you in a bad position. There's been a divorce in your family or some other kind of tragedy or medical bills or whatever the case may be. And God wants to, you to realize that he is a God of a reset. He wants you to have a fresh start. He wants you to live from a place of empowerment, not from a place of defeat. Poke your neighbor and tell him that's good news. I saw two pokes. Poke your neighbor. Get your finger out, poke them, tell them that's good news. All right. So then Jesus shows up in Luke chapter 4. Let's go ahead and turn over there. And this is how Jesus begins to introduce himself and his ministry. And you may be asking, well, that's nice that Israel had that built into their law system, uh, but what's that have to do with me? We're getting there. All right? For one thing, it tells us about the heart of God. But this will see how it applies directly to us. Luke 4, starting in verse 16. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
So Jesus is announcing all of these things are available to the people in him because the spirit of the Lord is upon him. Well, notice he said the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Well, what scripture is he talking about? Well, this is in the Bible for us, but for them, this is live action, right? This is happening. Well, Jesus was actually quoting, he was reading in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and I'll read what it says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. It sounds like what we just read, doesn't it? He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that freedoms will be, that captives will be released, that prisoners will be freed, and he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. Now, Jesus is quoting from the scripture in Isaiah, which was a prophecy that the people of his day knew very well. They knew that it, the, a Messiah is going to come, a promised one, one anointed by God, and he is going to bring us into a time of freedom, and he's going to restore us to a, a situation where we're victorious and we're living in peace. And so Jesus was announcing, hey, that day has arrived in me. I'm here to bring Jubilee to you. Because here's their deal. Israel was notorious, if you've ever read through the New Testament, or the Old Testament, you realize they had the law, they started off kind of good, and then it just went worse. And then it kind of would get better and get worse, and better and worse, and better and worse, and eventually they went into exile, they lost track of the calendar, like they didn't know when the year of Jubilee was supposed to be, so they're just waiting for the Messiah to show up to set everything right. And that's really what the Messiah was supposed to do and what Jubilee was all about was about bringing things back into an equitable basis where things were, were at a place where everybody had, had the resources they needed to prosper, the resources they needed to live well, to live in peace, to live in safety, to live with God. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus was saying, you've been waiting for this time to come and this time is here. And here in the New Living Translation, as I read it, it says the time of the Lord's favor has come. And the original language, it says the year of the Lord's favor has come. So what Jesus is doing is he's announcing Jubilee. He's saying, I am Jubilee. And so when we come to Jesus, we walk into our Jubilee. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you're saying, well, I thought everything already became new. Why are you talking about this then? Because we don't often recognize the totality of the freedom that has been offered to us, and so we live below what is available. And so we need to recognize Jesus is our jubilee, and the other part of that is even sometimes after we receive Christ, we're still not perfect, we're still learning, we're still growing, we're still human, we make stupid decisions, Right? And so we can fall back into things that God has already delivered us from, and we need to remember, Jesus is my jubilee, and I should be able to walk in freedom from this. Amen. Amen. So let's look a little back at this for a moment and recognize in Luke chapter 4 what Jesus is talking about. And I want to switch over to a little more literal translation so that we get a better picture of what this actually is. So let me read it again out of the Young's uh, uh, literal translation. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he did anoint me to proclaim good news to the poor, sent me to heal the broken of heart, to proclaim to captives deliverance, and to blind the blind receiving of sight, to send away the bruised with deliverance, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor, we don't really talk like that. In other words, it's the year that God does you a favor, right? Like you've done things, you've got yourself in trouble, but God's gonna do you a solid and get you out of that. 
right? God's going to do you a favor. You've got yourself, you sold yourself into slavery because you went bankrupt because of stupid decisions you made or things that you did or whatever happened. But God's going to do you a favor and pull you out. And we need to realize that everything God does for us and to us in our lives is a favor. You can't earn it. And you can't work it yourself. It is God working on your behalf. And you can just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. I allow it. I can't earn it. I know exactly what I did to deserve this, which is nothing. And Father, I receive it right now. Amen. And so if you're sitting here and you're starting to think, yeah, but I don't know if I can earn this and do that and what did I and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. If you came in with some of these things that we're getting ready to talk about right now, then get ready to release that and just receive a favor from God today. Let God do you a favor and bless your life. Number one, Jesus said that this is good news to the poor. The word poor there is talking about someone who's crouching and cowering like a beggar, someone who is helpless and powerless, incapable to profit. God did not create us to be victims and to be beggars. If you're a child of God, then God has given you the power to prosper. Amen. Amen. You know, when we go back and, and, and in the, the nation of Israel, if they were given back their, their heritage of land, they still had to farm it. They didn't just sit there and have like money fall out of the sky on them, right? They had to work it. They had to, to invest the effort to allow the grace and the blessing that God had given them to bear fruit. And we have to do the same thing in our life with God is to take the abilities and the, the intelligence and whatever resources and relationships God has invested in our lives and be able to work those so that we prosper. Amen? So if you're in a place where financially you have come to a place where you feel powerless, where debt is crushing you, where you don't know which way is up, then I want you to know that God wants to bring you to a place of being able to stand up and be able to prosper once again. And that doesn't mean you get to stop paying your bills. God canceled my debt. I don't, I don't own a power company anymore, and I don't know them, and I don't have to pay my car payment. And No, 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 that's not how it works. God will give you the power to prosper so you can make your car payment, you can pay it off supernaturally quick, and you have enough to be a blessing to others. Amen. That you're a tither, that you're an offering giver because you know that God has blessed me, so I'm going to be a blessing, right? When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, go to the land that I will show you and I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. And when he said, you shall be a blessing, he was actually telling him, Abraham, go be a blessing. It was an imperative. It was a command. He was saying, Abraham, I will give you the blessing so you'll be equipped to go and bless others and every nation on earth will be blessed through you. What is our, what is our purpose in life as children of God? It's to go out into the world every day and to be a blessing. How can I be a blessing today? What abilities do I have today? What, what resources do I have today? Amen. Amen. It's to go be a blessing, not how's everybody going to take care of me and, and I, I just can't do it on my own. No, that's a beggarly attitude and we, Jesus is our jubilee. Amen. Amen. We've been restored to having power and ability to prosper. And in fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, and you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. He gives you the power. It says that he may establish his covenant which he swore to his fathers as it is this day. In Psalm 37, 27, and I'm spitting all over the place. Sorry, you're going to have to clean your pulpit. All right. It says, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. 
And that word prosperity is shalom. And if you know anything about the word shalom in Hebrew, it just basically means you're filled up and satisfied on every level. Your enemies are at peace with you. Your bank accounts are full. Your table's well stocked. Your kids are all behaving, you know, all that stuff. God can make all of our kids behave. All right. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And as we already read in Genesis 12, he said to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Why don't you look at your neighbor real serious and say, I'm a blessing. Make sure they look at you and say it back. I'm a blessing. All right, so the first part, the reason that Jubilee is a blessing, Jubilee is good news for poor people because it means that we now have power to prosper. Amen. Amen. Everybody say power to prosper. prosper. Number two, Jesus said he's anointed to heal the broken of heart, which means a supernatural healing of hearts that have been stomped on and crushed. So if you're here today and you've been carrying around a broken heart, something in life, some person, some situation has stomped on and crushed your heart, then Jesus is supernatural healing for your heartbreak. Whether that's trauma, failure, abuse, neglect, abandonment, whatever it is, Jesus is your jubilee. Jesus is your jubilee. And if you need to, as I'm going through this list, take out your phone, make a note, and just start to write down things that you've been carrying around that you're going to be free from by the end of this service today. Amen? Write it in the back of your Bible. Make a note on your arm. I don't know how you want to make a note. Just make a note. All right? Make a list. Number three, to captives, deliverance, which means prisoners of war held at spear point are pardoned and set free. Where you were taken captive where you were forced to go somewhere else that you weren't wanting to go, where you were under the control of others, you are now free and liberated to go live on your own. And in the Bible, wherever we see these points and barbs and, and thorns, it's often talking about harsh words and persecution that come from other people. So under this, we would cover insults, cursing, backstabbing, accusation, unjust lawsuits, and persecution. If any of these things have been dogging you and hounding you, Jesus is your jubilee. Amen. Amen. Jesus said he's come to bring sight for the blind, which is obviously physical healing. We see all throughout scripture, all throughout Jesus' ministry, he heals every kind of sickness and disease. So no matter what physical ailment is attacking your body, Jesus is your jubilee. Amen. Amen. Reset to health. It also covers spiritual and mental blindness. In other words, coming to know Jesus as your Lord and no longer being blinded about who he is, seeing him for who he is and receiving him as your Lord and Savior, having a clear mind and improved intellect and spiritual vision, knowing which way to go. Amen? Then the fifth thing, the final thing, is to send away the bruised with deliverance, which means to send someone who is shattered by guilt away with complete forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but I kind of have a slightly per- perfectionistic personality. Uh, the funny thing is my wife and I are perfectionists about different things. So some things that she wants me to do, I don't want to do. And what I want her to do, she doesn't want to do because she's not a perfectionist about that like I am. But sometimes perfectionist people, you start to, you, you hold on to regrets and you accuse yourself and you, you dog yourself about things that you do wrong or I didn't do that or oh man, I forgot this or whatever. But on a bigger scale, there are things that the enemy condemns us about. There are things that may have happened in your life or in your family that cause you to drag shame around with you like a brick behind you. 
something that just rides you every day. There's a guilt about some sin, some addiction, something that happened in your family, something that someone did to you, something that you regret never having done. All of these things are things that are covered under this that God wants to say, you've been under this weight of guilt and that guilt has been released in Jesus Christ. As we sang today, he took that to the tomb. He said it was finished. And all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our bondages have been broken off through the power of the cross. Amen. Amen. And so today, Jesus is announcing that he is Jubilee to you. So think for a moment, which of these five things that we were just talking about do you feel like you identify with? Which of these things have been just constantly a presence in your life and you know today is your day that Jesus wants you to deliver, to deliver you from that. Today, I want to tell you, you don't need to earn it. You don't deserve it. But God wants to do you a favor. It's the year of the Lord's favor. And the cool thing is, Jesus' ministry did not just last a year. When Jesus said the time of the Lord's favor has come, he was saying that Jubilee has arrived in me. Jubilee is not just a year. His ministry lasted three years, and then that jubilee in Christ continued in the book of Acts. In fact, we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 34, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Why? Because they all recognized we've been blessed by God and we have things to share and they were sharing with one another so that they all were on an equal footing and all able to live together. In other words, Jubilee is not just about you. It's not just about the person next to you, but Jubilee is something that we live in as a church. Something that we live in. The nation of Israel was the forerunner of the church and the church is the now realized Israel and that's a whole other theological discussion we're not even going to go into. But we are living jubilee as a family. We are living jubilee as a community. As God said to them in the Old Testament, don't take advantage of your brother. In other words, we have it a step further. Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have others to do unto you. So not just don't do bad things, but let's do good things. Let's go be a blessing to one another. Amen. So for that reason, let's go ahead and stand up together this morning. And if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is your day. Today is your day. One of the things that Jesus came to give was to give you spiritual sight so that you could see and recognize that he is the risen Lord and Savior. And so here's what I want us to do. I'd like us all to bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's not just about believing that he is who he said it is. It's about committing yourself to follow him. It's about putting your life in his hands. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And I'd like everybody to pray it as an assistant uh, for those who have never done that before. And I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and enter into that jubilee. So let's pray together. God, I come to you. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I've done things my own way. And I have not followed you. Today I believe in Jesus. That he came. That he died for my sin. That he was raised from the dead. And so I confess with my mouth. Jesus, you are Lord. Starting today, I follow you. I give you my life. Thank you for accepting me. 
making me new and making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. There's going to be a couple parts to this. We're going to celebrate that Jesus is our jubilee. I've asked the worship team to come up. They're going to sing the last part of that last song we sang. And we're going to rejoice that everything that we have in our lives has to bow its knee before Jesus. Amen. So whatever came to mind as we were talking about those things that we have jubilee deliverance from in your life, I want you to consciously put that again at Jesus' feet. Jesus is Lord over my fill in the blank, right? All guilt, all shame, debt, and powerlessness has to bow its knee to Jesus Christ. But here's what I want us to do. Kirsten, you come forward for a moment. So here's what I want us to do. This may be a little weird for you, but let's do it anyway. Grab the hand of the person next to you. As I said, Jubilee is something that we experience together. And so in a moment, we're all gonna shout, Jesus is my Jubilee. We're all gonna receive that. And at the end of service, when we close, there'll be a prayer team up here. If you want somebody to agree with you about something we talked about today, come up and get more prayer, all right? Don't leave without receiving everything from God that you need to get, amen? amen. So on the count of three, it's one of you to shout, Jesus is my Jubilee, and then we're gonna sing, amen? I didn't count yet. All right, lift those hands together. One, two, three. Jesus is my jubilee. Amen. Begin to thank the Lord. Let's lift him up together. After the first service, uh, my daughter was sharing something with me that she'd seen. Sometimes the Lord gives her things to share. Just so real quick, I just wanted her to share this with you guys. I believe it'll encourage you. Marissa, come here. It's cool because this weekend, all of our kids have been involved in the ministry somehow, and so she finally gets her little part. Hi. Um, so in between services, after the first one, I read the entirety of Isaiah 61. And I'm going to actually steal this from you. I'm so sorry. Um, the rest of Isaiah 61 kind of talks about an exchange for our bondage, what we're going to receive instead. So every time that we're letting go of something, that we're like freed and delivered of something, there's something else to replace it. And um, so not only when we're being freed from things, are we being delivered from bondage, from shame, but we are to replace it with something else from the Lord. And that is our inheritance under the name of Jesus Christ because we are now in the family of God and that is the blessing of Abraham. And in Leviticus 25, not only were you um, freed from the house that you were staying in and were your possessions and your land restored to you, but you had to go to that place and claim it as yours. And so I just wanna encourage you guys, whatever you're letting go, you can replace with your anxiety, you have to replace it and claim the peace of Christ that you have. You have to claim your inheritance and you have the authority to do so in the name of Jesus. So you are getting beauty for your ashes. You are being anointed with the oil of gladness for your mourning. You are to be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified in your life. You are risen up from former devastation of many generations. You are to be called priests of the Lord and spoken of as ministers of God. You are to receive a double portion for your shame, joy for your dishonor, everlasting joy. Because the cool thing is, 
if our jubilee is now in a person, wouldn't your jubilee technically end when that person dies? But what a great thing that Jesus is alive and living, amen? So our jubilee is forever, it is everlasting. Yes. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, but there is no end to this jubilee. So whatever you need to replace your shame, your mourning, your doubt, your anxiety, your depression with, Jesus has it. Isaiah 61, one of the, um, the ending of the first verse, uh, my translation of my Bible says that the door is opened to those held captive. The door is open, but you got to walk out and you got to go back to your promised land and you got to claim what Jesus has placed there for yes. you. It Amen. is right there, but you got to walk out of... Walk out on the devil because he is not deserving of any devotion from you. Amen. 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 Time's up. <laughs> That's really it. Thank you. Amen. Woo! Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. I'm cracking up because she goes to sit down and she's like, sorry. Don't say sorry. <laughs> Sean, watch out. Maybe we'll have her come and visit and share next time. I don't know. I just, just want to say that. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, Reverend Sean Hershey, for sharing. What an amazing message. Yeah? Amen? Amen? Amen. Church family, I don't want to miss an opportunity to sow into Reverend Sean and his family and their ministry and this amazing word that God has put into their life. So... There are several different ways to give, but when you sow into a ministry, you become a part of that ministry. You become a part of ministry. You're saying, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what you're sharing, and we want you to keep sharing that amazing word that is in your life, and we see fruit in your children. It's amazing. It's amazing. So there are several different ways to give. They're each listed on the screen. I want to make sure that if you are filling out a check, that you make that check out to New Beginnings. We are going to take that and combine that with all of the other different ways that we will receive for this family. Um, if you are giving online or through the app, there is a drop-down option that says Guest Speaker, and you can give that way. That is totally fine. What an amazing message. So as you're preparing what you're willing to give, we're going to have the ushers come forward. They're going to get ready to receive this offering. What a fantastic message. Who's going to share this message? Who's going to share this message? Think about it. There's somebody in your community. There's somebody in your family. There might be somebody in your house that needs to hear this message. There might be somebody in the aisle that, like he was saying before, you got to poke them and be like, did you get that? Because I didn't see you taking notes. You might have to check out my notes. Somebody needs to hear this message. Who's going to raise their hand and commit to share this with somebody this week? I got a couple of you. I got a couple of you. There, ushers, you may begin collecting the offering. There are a couple of different ways that you can share this. You can share your notes. You could share it by your mouth. Or you can go online to the website and you can share it. We've recorded this message so that you can share it with others. But it's important for people to hear about the God that has designed a reset in his plan. A reset for us so that we can receive the jubilee that is Jesus. It releases us from bondage. It releases us from shame. It delivers us. And people need to know that Jesus is active. He's alive. And he's available to them. Somebody needs jubilee. Will you be the one? 
that goes out and shares the Jubilee with them? Because that's what Jesus said, right? He said, go out into all the world and share the good news. He started by saying, I'm here. But now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he's constantly telling you, don't you, don't you know when you're in a supermarket and you see somebody and you're like, I, I think I'm supposed to share with that person? Step out in boldness and share them. That person may just need to hear about Jubilee. If you don't have the words... God chose fishermen to share his story. He will give you the word. So be encouraged. Step out and share this message. Share Jesus with somebody. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for coming to church this week. We just want to bless you and thank you for coming. You are dismissed. God bless you. If you need prayer, please do not leave without coming up. There are people willing to pray with you. We don't want you to go home without it. God bless you.